here we are. We got an intro. Uh, the people have spoken, and so now we have one, at least temporarily. That's right. You'll, Thanks, have to, you'll have to grade us and tell us whether we meet your approval, specifically you, Andrew Schlack, and anybody else that was uh, talking some smack. There are a number of them. I don't even know. but Everybody's a critic, right? Isn't that what they say? That's right. Everyone's a critic. And then, you know, you want them to actually show up and do something about it, and they usually don't, so... Anyways, well, here we are. Pastor James is back this week. Thanks again to Pastor Eric for filling in last week. He didn't take any shots on the For the Students podcast. That's right. They'll have to, man, I just zapped myself. They'll have to check out the parents one. But yeah, we'll just remember just who's who's the better pastor. But we'll we'll leave that for a different conversation. I'll yeah, take we'll, second place to Nick. But after that, we're going to have to go. Is that just because of hair or mainly? Yeah. Okay, just okay. another just great personality. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. Well, we're again here for the students and we're here to answer your questions and the questions keep rolling in. So let me first state, like keep asking them. We've got a lot of good questions in the queue um, and we're going to answer just mainly one of them today. Mm-hmm. And that is, Hey, um, what are some of the significant kind of archeological discoveries? Also just, just general discoveries that support the validity, the reliability of the Bible, right? Yeah, and this is a really great conversation, I think. I was talking to someone who's a scientist, and he was reminding me, not not that I necessarily need to be reminded, but I think it's important that science or the study of history or whatever we're looking at, they don't have to be opposite from the Bible. So a study of something does not have to be in contradiction to the Bible. They can be used, their tools to show us what's really going on. So, yeah, yeah, this is a great, great question. Well, and the cool thing is um, archaeology, it's always kind of been around, but it's really become a much larger study probably in the last 300 years or so um, where it's kind of taken on a defined method and people, like, do it for a living and, like, different things. So we've made some really, really cool discoveries in the last, like, 200, 300 years, uh, which I'm going to share just a couple of those today. Um, so first one that I want to cover is, uh, well, let me ask you this, James, did you know that behind the old Testament, okay, right? So we've got thousands of manuscripts for the Greek new Testament, right? We have way less for the old Testament and behind our current old Testament, we really have one main manuscript, one main version of the Bible. Okay. And that comes from a codex called Codex Lenin Gradensis. Okay, can you say that one more time for me? Codex Lenin Gradensis. All right, that was good. Maybe one more time for me, if you could. I think I'm good. All right. Yeah, yeah. So where? Tell us more about this, because I literally have never heard about this. And yeah. just for the record, I did go to Bible school, and I've got two pieces well, of paper hanging on my wall. I didn't. I didn't know this until seminary, oh, right? So okay. I went to Bible school too, but I didn't even know this until seminary. Um, so there's one principal manuscript behind the Old Testament. And what I mean, again, let me let me say that in kind of less um, fancy terms. Yeah. What I mean is like behind the Old Testament, you have the Hebrew Bible, right? Behind the New Testament, you have the Greek Bible, the Greek New Testament, lit, written in Greek, written in Hebrew, New Testament, Hebrew, Old Testament. Primarily, there's a little bit of Aramaic too. Um, in uh, those studies, you usually have a bunch of manuscripts that people then can put together um, what they think is the best representation of it. That's what happens in the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Old Testament studies, they're really going off of one 
one codex, one book that has the entire Old Testament. Um, and then they fill it in elsewhere, and they're still discovering new stuff to help supplement this codex. But it was found in 1845. Whoa. 1845. Um, and it's, it was found, um, in, or sorry, it was, it was completed in a- AD 1010 in Cairo, Egypt. Um, and when and we say completed, we're saying they had a bunch of probably Hebrew texts that they put together. Is that what it means by completed? Yeah. And again, um, this is partially because like Hebrew was kind of on the outs. And again, the, these are this was made by a guy, or not by a guy, by a group of Hebrew scribes and scholars called the Masoretes. The Masoret, this is called the Masoretic text. So the Codex Leningradensis is the Masoretic text. The MT is how scholars refer to it. Because the Masoretes, a group of people, Hebrew scribes and scholars, took the Old Testament and uh, like made sure that it was copied correctly. Um, I don't have the opportunity to show you guys this picture, but they were meticulous in their notes. When they copied a copy of the Hebrew Bible, they were doing word counts to make sure it matched exactly correctly. And they had a system, right? Um, and, and I don't have time to get into all that, but um, what, what this discovery did was, so before we had, um, <laughs> James keeps, keeps getting shocked. <laughs> uh, before we had this codex, our Old Testaments were primarily based off the Septuagint. Do we think people know what the Septuagint is? I've told people before, but I mean, is this the Septuagint isn't just the first five books of the Old no, Testament? No, no, no. That's that would be the the Pentateuch. Oh, I'm getting my terms mixed up here. Uh, yeah. So no, I don't think so. The so. Septuagint is just a Greek translation of the Old Testament. Okay. And our Old Testaments were primarily, um, and I'll fact check myself on this, but I'm pretty sure about it. Our Old Testaments were primarily based off of the Septuagint. Right. So when we were translating into English before this codex was found, and there were other other Hebrew manuscripts, but this was the one that was found in 1845. We were really coming from the Septuagint. Yeah. And so why is that important? So why is it? In, why is the codex better than the Septuagint? The codex is better than that because it's, um, well, is older. Well, sorry. The sorry. The Hebrew is older than the Greek, mm-hmm. right? Um, and as a language, and also the Hebrew is what it was written in originally, not Greek. So Greek is a translation from the Hebrew. Yeah. And not to get too distracted or to belittle this point too much, but don't we have the same thing with the new Testament as it was coming into the King James version? Yeah. So, uh, when it comes to the new Testament, a lot of our manuscripts, um, uh, were based off of like Latin. Yeah. Um, and, and then we finally, um, with the King James version, Outside of some missing pieces, it was translated from the Greek. Yeah. And so it's almost like we got to be careful how many steps we get away from the original. But when we can find the original, when we find code, the codex, we're really getting to do that. And I mean, play telephone with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Whisper yeah. something in somebody's ear and then see what it sounds like eight people down. It's kind of a picture of why this codex is such a big deal. Yeah. So again, Codex Leningradensis was found in 1845. They've dated it back to 1010 AD, right? So that's old. Um, now, the Septuagint was 200, 300 BC, but again, um, so the Septuagint's old, but the Hebrew, in a sense, is still older than 
because of the, the language. Greek, because of the so. language, right? And then that was passed on through generations. And here's the next one that verified Codex Leningradus, okay? Because you still have the question, well, how do we know, though, that if this was dated in 1810, like, how do we, or sorry, if this was found in 1845, and how, how, do, do we have the Bible now in 1845? They're like, well, shoot, is this the right, have we been, ha have we had the right Old Testament, right? Well, then in 18, or sorry, in 1947, we found the Dead Sea Scrolls. I remember this one. Mm -hmm. Somebody was throwing a rock or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a young Bedouin shepherd looking for a lost goat discovered a cave with a clay pot containing a very ancient scroll. Right? And long story short, this find by this little shepherd became the most significant archaeological biblical finding of the 20th century. So 1947, they stumble onto this huge cave system called the Qumran cave system. Um, and it was a community, the Qumran community. And uh, what most scholars think is that it was inhabited by the group called the Essenes. And the Essenes were a um, group of Israelites uh, around the time of Jesus, um, before and after, that said, we think that society is too corrupt we have to remove ourselves and go into the desert. The Jews are, 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 this is not pure Israelite religion. We need to remove ourselves from this. And so then the Essenes through a number of different, four different reasons, um, and I don't know the reasons, collected all these scrolls and different things. And they had their own scrolls and different things. But what they found here was um, <laughs> they found over, I think it's 800 so they found 100,000 fragments. Among the 28, they found almost 28 complete scrolls, right, of different books of the Bible, and 100,000 fragments of another 875 manuscripts containing every book of the Hebrew Bible except for Esther. Okay, so the scrolls, when we say they found X amount of scrolls, that would be the whole, so like that'd be like the book of... Whatever would, Isaiah. Well, it would be all included in a scroll. Yeah. And then a fragment is, just to put it in a different word to it, even though we know what a fragment means, that's a piece, right? And then we're going to yeah. say we found a piece of every single Old Testament book except for Esther. Correct. So I, I don't know if we're going to get to this, but that being, begs me the question, so what about Esther? Uh, I'll fact check myself on this, but I think, well, so Esther is one of the only Old Testament books of the Bible that doesn't mention God. Correct. God's behind the scenes. Yeah, he's alluded to. Right? The Hebrews are in the book of Esther, but he's alluded to, but he's not explicitly mentioned. And therefore, I think some people think that the Essenes rejected it because of that. Okay. Let me fact check myself on that. All right. So, if you're listening, put a pin in that, but we need to ask Pastor Nick about the book of Esther later. Yeah. Okay. So, one cool find from that. They found one of the scrolls of Isaiah. Isaiah is a big book. 66 chapters, right? They found the complete a complete scroll of Isaiah. They rolled this baby out. Guess how long it was? Uh, like a mile. No. Not as long or longer? No, uh, short, much shorter. Sure. They just rolled out a scroll 24 feet. 24 feet. So, I mean, that's probably longer than your office here, huh? It is longer than my office. And my office is pretty big. And especially bigger than mine. To, yeah, <laughs> compared to Nick's. So, 24 feet in length, they unrolled the scroll. Complete scroll of Isaiah. Crazy. Preserved in this in this. In these caves. Yeah, so that's almost eight feet. Yeah. I, I really had to work on my math there. But that's like taller than Shaquille O'Neal. 
Correct. I don't know if they know who Shaquille O'Neal is, but I hope you know who Shaq is. But uh, it'd be like so, two Russell Wilsons almost. More than two Russell Wilsons. It's 24 feet. Oh, that's right. We could stack like three Russell Wilsons. I mean, we could, we could fit three Shaqs on there. That's true. Because he's seven feet, so 21. Yeah, my math is really... It's okay. I really messed up there. But, <laughs> and the thing is, we recorded it, too. So, And just for the record, we're not editing this. So <laughs> you get to see that, just for the record, my job only requires me to count to six. So at that point, I'm lost. <laughs> okay. Um, so a couple other discoveries. A couple other discoveries is I dropped my phone. We real high production value right here. Thanks, brother. Um, okay. And I don't have the exact dates for when these were discovered, but generally any, any, I mean, I think it's fair to be this way in scholar, in scholar circles and say, until we have the evidence, I'm going to hold things suspect. Now we can believe the authority of the Bible as Christians, but a lot of critical scholars would say, well, there's no archeological evidence to support this biblical figure. Therefore it's suspect that they were actually a historical figure, right? And that was the case for David, uh, King David, right? We didn't have a lot of historical evidence to say that this dude was a real dude, right? We had him in the Bible, but people who don't hold the Bible as authoritative are like, okay, we'll hold it suspect. And then we found what's called the Tel Dan steel, which is like um, a piece of rock that has an inscription on it that tells something uh, to the people that are passing by this rock, right? So a steel would generally be almost like when you go into... You know, and, and James, he has an office, a cork board, right? And he has uh, his goals up here and, and different things like that, right? It, it's it, in, If it was preserved for a thousand years here, you'd be able to tell something about it, about him, but also about the people that passed by and what they would learn from that information, right? So a steel and different things like that is an ancient inscription. And it was one of the first ones that said the house of David that they found support uh, uh, David as a historical figure. Um, and, and that's from really an allusion to Isaiah seven, two, and they found that, um, in 1993. So, and then after that, they also found Hezekiah's tunnel and an inscription that it belonged to Hezekiah and Hezekiah being one of the, uh, Kings fortifying the city. Um, and I'm sure Brian and Eric could tell you more, tell you more about that. Cause they've actually been to Hezekiah's tunnel. So, Whoa. Anyways, um, those are more recent discoveries. This is the last fun one, and we'll close with this, okay? Um, can you guess how heavy the biggest copy of the Bible is? I'm going to say 50 pounds. More. 120? More. 250? Less. 175? Close. 165 pounds. The biggest Bible ever made. What's the dimensions of this Bible? Okay. Ready? It's called Codex Gigas. Okay. From which we get the word gigantic, right? Weighs 165 pounds. It's 20 inches by 36 inches. And it was copied in the 13th century in the Benedictine monastery of, I don't know how to pronounce that, in Bohemia. It's said to have taken the skins of 160 donkeys to supply enough parchment. That's a lot of donkeys. It's monstrous. And it's actually called the Devil's Bible. I can show you the picture because they have this big picture of um, a personified devil in there too. But 165 pounds. That's a lot. That's Imagine, a human. But bring that to church. 
Bring that to church. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like you guys think some of the Bibles that your parents have are big. Like this thing is next level big. So anyways, fun, fun fact. The biggest manuscript of the Bible was 165 pounds made in the 13th century. 160 donkeys, it said. To have made that puppy. like a donkey a page, oh, or, a, or a pound. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm really struggling with math here. Don't worry, don't worry. We're not graded on our math. <laughs> That's right. In this podcast. So I think something that I kind of take away from this though is like, we need to look for it, and we need like, we need to be more aware of it. But like, the Bible is not inside of a vacuum. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist. That the Bible is the only place that we get that David was a real person, or we didn't even talk about Solomon's Solomon's stables and stuff like yeah. that. Like there, there's a there's lot of stuff more. that like really just shows you that the Bible is true. And I get it's stuck in my head sometimes that like we can't engage in secular circles, or I can't engage with somebody I that doubts the Bible because I don't have enough stuff to show them. And I really don't think that's true. Like, there's a lot of... We're going to talk about that in the next podcast, by the way. All right. Whoa, little hint right there. That it... And so, again, we can believe the Bible and keep asking great questions. So whoever asked this one, kudos to you. I think this is really good. And so, again, we're going to be on weekly here. Uh, we're pushing about 18 minutes here. So, uh, again, we're a little bit longer here. But, again, we just thanks for your questions and just keep asking them. Yeah, hey, show them that outro. See ya.